Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. You know, it's funny, I say good morning at the beginning of these devotionals, and the truth is, usually I'm not recording them in the morning, and I know that many of you don't listen to them in the morning, but they are posted and released in the morning, and there are people who listen to them in the morning, so it always feels appropriate to say good morning. But if I'm going to be really honest, I'm recording this at 3.07 p.m. Anyway, I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. And it is day 431 of our three-year journey through God's Word. And we have come to a troubling episode in David's family between Amnon and Tamar. And this is one of many illustrations in the Old Testament why God allowed polygamy, but never commanded it, and it never came without consequences. And this is one of the consequences where you have brothers and sisters in the same family. They share a father, but not a mother, and they kind of live in separate sort of household areas uh, of the palace complex. And so uh, it just gets to be messy. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we get into this chapter. Father in heaven, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your perfect will that is right and good and good for us. Help us to see Christ even through this tangled, messy tale that is told truthfully here in 2 Samuel 13. Guide us by your Holy Spirit and write your word on our hearts in a way that would draw us close to Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 13. Now Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her. And Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill because of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible to Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a crafty man. And he said to him, Oh, son of the king, why are you so haggard morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Let my sister Tamar come and give me bread to eat and prepare the food in my sight, that I may see it and eat from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come and make a couple of cakes in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So so Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house where he was lying down and she took dough and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and emptied it out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, send out everyone from me. So everyone went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the chamber that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. But when she brought them near him to eat, he took hold of her and said, Come, lie with me, my sister. 
She answered him, No, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me, where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he would not listen to her. And being stronger than she, he violated her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up, go. But she said to him, No, my brother, for this wrong in sending me away is greater than the other you did to me. But he would not listen to her. He called the young man who served him and said, Put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. Now she was wearing a long robe with sleeves, for thus were the virgin daughters of the king dressed. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the long robe that she wore. And she lay her hand on her head and went away, crying aloud as she went. And her brother Absalom said to her, Has Amnon your brother been with you? Now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this to heart. So Tamar lived a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. But Absalom spoke to Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister Tamar. After two full years, Absalom had sheep shearers at Baal Hazor, which is near Ephraim. And Absalom invited all the king's sons. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold, your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go, lest we be burdensome to you. He pressed him, but he would not give him but he would not go, but gave him his blessing. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said, Why should he go with you? But Absalom pressed him until he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Then Absalom commanded his servants, Mark when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not fear, have I not commanded you? Be strong, be courageous, and be valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon, as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, each mounted his mule and fled. While they were on the way, news came to David. Absalom has struck down all the king's sons, and not one of them is left. Then the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the earth, and all his servants who were standing by tore their garments. But Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, said, Let not my lord suppose that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, for Amnon alone is dead. For by the command of Absalom this has been determined from the day he violated his sister Tamar. Now therefore, 
Let not my lord the king so take it to heart as to suppose that all the king's sons are dead, for Amnon alone is dead. But Absalom fled, and the young man who kept the watch lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, many people were coming from the road behind him by the side of the mountain. And Jonadab said to the king, Behold, the king's sons have come, as your servant said, so it has come about. And as soon as he had finished speaking, behold, the king's sons came and lifted up their voice and wept. And the king also and all his servants wept very bitterly. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amahud, the king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son day after day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. And the spirit of the king longed to go out to Absalom because he was comforted about Amnon since he was dead. Mm. What an absolute mess of a chapter. I mean, some of these chapters in the Bible are just the sin of people and the dire consequences of that sin and then the, the determination to take things into our own hands and make them right, but also just the neglect of David over his household uh, to, not, to not parent properly, to not even properly operate as king over his own household is just, is just deeply disturbing. And you realize, of course, the depth of the grace of God when David is still upheld as a man after God's own heart and as a model king for Israel when he has these very significant and very costly failings as a man, as a father, as a king. Well, the story is pretty much self-explanatory. If you understand this situation, David had a number of wives and the children of each of the wives would have stayed together with their moms and in that that portion of of the palace complex or you know would have would have had a sort of a sort of a separate family life uh within that but of course they were all brothers and sisters but there was a big difference between being someone's full brother or sister where you have the same father and mother and being a half brother or sister where you don't have the same mother especially since in a family that large with that many wives the moms would play a leading role in bringing up the children and David was busy and and was sometimes with his other wives and oftentimes out at war or administering the kingdom and so the bringing up of the children was really done by the wives and the servants and not so much by the father which is a major failing in and of itself that you know David of course knew his children but he was not directly involved in their lives as much as he really should have been Uh, You can't when you have that many wives and that many children, especially when you're the king and you have so many public obligations and and civil duties and wars to go fight and and, uh, towers to go build and supervise and an army to train and, and, you know, cases to hear and all the things that a king does. And so a combination of polygamy and neglect sets up a situation where Something terrible happens. Now, sin can happen in any family, right? And even grievous sin can happen in any family. And here's a grievous sin where a a young man has taken and violated his half-sister. And sin is so, 
deceitful that we can want something and want something and want something and then we finally get it and we're just really disgusted with ourselves that we gave in to that appetite and that desire and the thing that we got wasn't as satisfying as we thought it was going to be and so it becomes distasteful to us and and that's the case with Amnon he he longed for his sister Tamar who was so beautiful but of course Tamar wasn't really what Amnon needed. What Amnon needed was the Lord. What Amnon needed was to embrace God's will for his life and to live according to God's word and to walk with the Lord in faith and to trust God to provide him with the right wife at the right time. But he's not doing any of that. He's just a man of his appetites. He's just a man of craving and longing. And he finds a man of cunning, Aminadab, or Jonah, sorry, not Aminadab, Jonadab, he finds a man of cunning, Jonadab, who is able to help him connive to how he can get alone with Tamar, with all the servants out and locked in the bedchamber, and can uh, take advantage of his superior strength and violate her. And, and Jonadab is such a such a conniving little character. He's like always lurking around. He's the one who brings the news to David that that only Amnon is dead, and this is what Absalom has determined. And he just he just seems like a manipulator, like a very manipulative figure hanging in the background. And so Absalom ends up plotting and killing Amnon and then fleeing to go live with a foreign king uh, to escape his father. But then his father is 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 pacified, not because justice has been done, but because basically he realizes that Absalom had a, a you know a legitimate grief against Amnon and he gets over mourning for Amnon's death and he wants now his son Absalom back and that's where the chapter leaves off and this is going to continue because Absalom's going to return to Jerusalem tomorrow in chapter 14 and this is not this is at the beginning of a of an extended narrative in David's life that's one of the darker chapters uh, from his kingship but like what do we get from this well I think we get some very practical advice like that parenting is a hands-on involved business uh, that also discipline needs to be consistent and needs to be followed through on so many times as a parent it's easy to be lazy it's easy to just say, I don't feel like dealing with that. Do I really have to be bothered by that? I don't like that my kids are doing that, but there's nothing I can do about it. And so we get passive and we get sort of complacent and we get sort of cynical. As parents, we can all fall into those traps. And that has deadly consequences for our children, potentially, because they harden their heart and their sin and they go much farther than they would be if we were there to warn them and to steer them back on the right path. We have to be actively involved in parenting our children sometimes even when they don't want it sometimes even when they resent it you know the old saying you'll thank me later when you're older and so often kids do they realize you know i was pretty foolish to want that thing that was really self-destructive to me and you kept me from having it and so i'll give you one example a very concrete example at a certain age kids whine that they need to have a phone they need to have a smartphone and that it needs to have all the social media apps because all their friends are on social media it's poison. Social media for teenagers, especially for teenage girls, has been shown to be absolutely toxic and destructive on so many levels. So we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't give in to that pressure. We shouldn't give in to the whining. 
because they're going to whine and they're going to want and then we're going to give it and give it to them and we're going to regret it and they're going to regret it. So we need to be the adult. We need to be the adult and say no and explain why we're saying no. And if they're still upset about it, we can pray for them. We can pray with them and we can continue to explain why we're saying no. And they can say how all their friends are on there and the okay, that may or may not be true, but you know, it's not necessarily a reason for us to give in. We can't give in to peer pressure and then expect our kids to stand up under peer pressure. So there's kind of practical things, right? But there's also in here the fact that even in these very dark and very troubling times, God is still in control. God does provide a measure of justice for Tamar in that Amnon does deserve to die. He's a rapist. And in the law of the Old Testament, rapists should die. And so he is killed. There is justice that is done through a twisted way because through the straight way, David neglects to do what needs to be done. What should have been done is Amnon should have been arrested, Amnon should have been put on trial, and he should have been executed. Or if Tamar was willing to marry him, which is what it seems like in the story, it seems like Tamar wasn't necessarily opposed to the possibility of marrying him, although that was not right. Uh, you know, maybe that that could have been worked out, but but you know, if that's against the law, which it was, and that's not really an option, uh, which is why she probably says, "Talk to my father. Let's talk to our father about it," because the father would say, "No, this is against the law. You're not allowed to do it." She was really just trying to buy herself time, I think. But but after the act, after the after she lost her virginity, you know, in that culture, the honorable thing to do would be would be to take that person uh, and marry them, even though it was, again, Abraham and Sarah were also half-brother and sister. Things were a little bit different back in biblical times, um, but it was against the law. I want to be clear about that. It was against the law. So it, it just, David probably should have put Amnon on trial and done the right thing and executed his son, or at the very least banished him, because what he did was absolutely a capital offense under the law of God. And so he should have done that. He should have taken care of it. So instead, Absalom takes it into his hand and God is at work. In this twisted way, Tamar gets justice. Tamar gets justice for what she had suffered at the hands of Amnon. So we should be warned. We should be soberly woken up and warned to be better parents and whatever authority we are given, we should be better about exercising that authority that we're given. But we should also be comforted that in a fallen world with lots of brokenness and sin, God still is able to work to bring healing and to bring justice and to bring even redemption, which is going to take a long time in this story, but eventually God will bring that about. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you that though we have dark and twisted hearts and though we are guilty of things that deserve death, you have covered our sin with the blood of Jesus and you have taught us repentance and confession and forgiveness and obedience. Father, help us to be better and more responsible for those of us who are parents, any of us who are in authority. Help us to be God-honoring and courageous in our parenting and in our discipline and help us to trust 
that in a world where there are things that are beyond our control, evil that flourishes that we cannot stop, you are still in control. And we can still trust you and we can still call upon you. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for this time in your word. And we pray that you would continue to lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me for 2 Samuel 13, a complicated, twisted chapter. Some of that was expressed in my own fumbling. Uh, and, you know, this is these are tough chapters to deal with. And I think we need to be honest about that. Uh, sometimes there's not a clear, uh, there's not a clear line because of the muddiness of sin. Well, the muddiness of sin is going to continue tomorrow, uh, but I'm going to hand things off to intern Mike and see what he does. Uh, so Mike's going to be here tomorrow for Second Samuel 13. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm-hmm.